0: Uh, Isaiah 53 Isaiah 53 you know nobody nobody likes to be wrong nobody does um, as a matter of fact I hate it uh, sometimes I do these little things just to say I'm right um, I have a GPS and uh, most of the time even if I know where I'm going I'll punch the address in if it's more than 30 minutes away uh, this this week I had to go over to the uh, whatever, the, ortho, the orthodontist, the, the, the mouth surgeon guy in Durham, and I knew exactly where I was going. But I punched the address in, and uh, as soon as the number popped up, you know, the, my GPS is an English woman's voice, you know, and she's like, turn left on Frank Whitfield Road, you know, and I'm like, I know what I'm doing, lady, you know. And it said, it said on there, 717, and I says, yeah, right. And so I proceeded to go the way I knew to go, and it kept having to reset. And, and when I got there, when I pulled into the parking lot, it's like, you have arrived at your destination. I'm like, I know. And then I look at the thing, and it says 7:12, and I go, I told you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's easy to win those kind of arguments, right? Also, this week, we went to Chili's in Burlington. The girls wanted chicken and waffles, and... <laughs> And uh, I I got an email that day, you know, uh, saying, here's some free queso, just print this out and take it with you. And I'm like, sweet, free queso, I'm down. When we got to the restaurant, I looked on the back and it said three for 10. And uh, I'm like, three for 10 what? Three appetizers for $10. I felt like Chili's was flirting with me at that point. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, girl, let's do this. And Care says, no, Tim, that's, that's a special. If you get the three-for-ten meal, you can pick out a special appetizer. I'm like, no, it's three-for-ten exclusive appetizers. I know what I'm talking about. Read the thing, Care. The waitress comes. I said, I'd like these three-for-ten appetizers. And her name was Debbie. She says, uh-uh, honey, that's not how that works. And I was just like, just give me the queso. Suddenly, the free queso made me angry at that point. And, you know, I tell Care, you know, I'm, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And, of course, she's always real gracious, but... I was mad about being wrong about appetizers. How many of you guys love being wrong? Anybody? Anybody in here willing to confess you hate being wrong besides me? Right. And is it ever just ground into your spirit when you're proven wrong and it just, it hurts you? That's why I love to argue with my GPS when I know where I'm going. I love it. I know I'm going to win. A lot of people think Isaiah 53 is describing a Messiah who's coming. What it's really doing is describing how people reacted to the Messiah who's come. It's a beyond future prophecy. It's saying they're going to look back and say, here are the reasons we rejected him. And their condemnation is going to be strikingly clear. That's exactly what this passage is about. That's why you'll see in a moment after verse 1, it switches to past tense. Verse 1 asks this question, who's believed the report? And then they they go, well, this is what you're going to say is why you didn't believe it. This is the realities you're going to wrestle with. And a lot of people are going to feel sickeningly and eternally really wrong. There's this passage in Philippians chapter 2 where it says, uh, Every knee will, anybody know? And every tongue will? What will they confess? That Jesus is Lord. Now, I have sometimes held that passage as, as a bit of an arrogant, uh, an arrogant security blanket, especially when people are aggravating me, especially when people deny the gospel, and I say, oh, pfft, yeah, you act like that now. But one day, you're going to confess that Jesus is Lord. This passage reminds me that that sort of arrogance is out of place. And there's a sort of mission that should take the place of my arrogance. I should be grieved over people who are missing the Messiah. If hell is anything like the Bible says it is, I can't imagine wanting anyone to be there. Anyone. I mean anyone. Like even Hitler. And if heaven is anything like the Bible says it is, why would you not want that for everybody? I mean, wow, why would you not want heaven for everybody? So when I read this passage on on this celebration of Palm Sunday, I see the king, I see him, and I believe the report. And I believe the report about Christ so clearly that I know his work saves me, and because I'm saved, I cannot help but share his work. Tonight, what you see is the lament from the future. And those who look back at the Messiah and having rejected him, they're lamenting. And I think today this should stir us. It should stir us to worship, and it should stir us to work. And that's what I've been praying for this week. If you have your Bibles, I'd, I'd beg you to keep them open. We're going to do just a little bit of Bible drill early on. Keep your Bibles open. If not, it'll be here on the screen. But you may want to mark some of these places. Three verses from Isaiah chapter 53, which you know is beginning to be right in the middle of this whole passage. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Father, thank you for this good word from the prophet Isaiah. Thank you for this fifth gospel, (laughs) this Old Testament, New Testament evangelist who's not only telling us what would be contemporary of Jesus' day, but what will be contemporary on the day of judgment. Open this word to us in such a way that if there be any soul who has turned away, turned their eye, who have rejected Jesus, that they would hear from him and turn to him, and that every soul that knows him would be moved with compassion to make known the good news that Jesus is Lord. Open this word to us. In Jesus, I pray, amen and amen. So I want to jump right in with like little to no ado. This is the problem we're facing. People did not believe the message of Christ when they heard it. Now, hold on for a second. Let me see if I can describe something to you. This will be true for some people on Judgment Day. Somebody say amen. And they'll, they'll clearly see that even creation alone was enough to testify the goodness of God, the salvation of God. They will have seen where they clearly rejected revelation. But, but you know, this is also happening today. For example, I can tell you in my life, I can tell you in my life that I only regarded Jesus as some kind of great heavenly boogeyman who wanted to kill all my fun. When I heard the gospel and believed it at eight years old, it just sounded like Jesus would take away all the fun in my life. And so I, had, I, I didn't believe the message of Christ. I disdained it. I cannot honestly say I despised him. I didn't despise him until I was 15 years old. By then, I had taken some moral turns where just the thought of going Jesus' way, man, every part of my life would have to change, and I really didn't want to hear that, mess. But at eight years old, I just didn't believe the message. But then, praise God, praise God, at 25 and a half years old, God didn't give up on me. He showed up to me. In March of that year, 1997, I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I could say up to that point, I did not believe the message of Christ. There was a report about Christ that had gone out, a report by the prophets A report by the law, a report by the sacrificial system, a report by Christ himself, a report by his apostles, a a report by his preachers, a report by his his, uh, churches, a report had gone out about Christ left and right, and no clearer report than the report of his life. Who had believed our report? Who has believed what he's heard from us? This is the future witnesses of Christ going Who believed what we said? To who did God reveal himself? Now, let's hold it right here and see if we can make this this happy little point. If we were to look back a little bit in this passage, I hope you still have your Bibles open. Not as here on the screen. Look back into Isaiah 52. If you have your Bibles open there to verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who does what? What's it say? Publishes, so who's releasing the report? The ones who bring the good news. You see that? How is this report being heard? It's being published by those who have pretty feet. Who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation. How does salvation get published? In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, died on a cruel cross. See, the, the, it gets, salvation gets published, so does the news of salvation. It goes on, who publishes Salvation, who says to Zion, What? Glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns. I never thought I would say this, but when we were doing the march, Casey and Brett sounded the best. It's a Christmas miracle, guys. (laughs) What do you say, Kent? I wasn't going to say it, but that's the exact truth. <laughs> Take it where you can get it, brother. Look at verse 8. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord designed. Look at this. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have ever got your feet did. Anybody ever got your feet did? I got my feet done twice. I can't lie like it. Except when she breaks out that cheese grater on my heels, that's embarrassing. (laughs) I got this one toenail. She needs an angle grind on that bad boy. I'm telling you, it's it's rough. When's the last time has East Rock's feet been dead? Could it be said that we have beautiful feet? What makes beautiful gospel feet? Those who publish the news of salvation. Now, just look at yourself. Now, don't, don't think about your pretty... I know some of y'all still wearing closed toes, shoes, because you ain't got your feet right. I know. But some of y'all done got, you know, my favorite cool word of the past few years. It's gone now. The young people would say that something was on fleek. And I was... I so want that to hang around. I like that one. Some of y'all done got your toes right, and so you're wearing these open-toed shoes, sandals. Some of y'all, no names, Clay Shipley. <clears throat> you, just, you, you wear them. You just don't care, do you, Clay. Clay says the way he does his toenails, he just stumps his toes, <laughs> breaks the nails. He's like, "That's right," and it just wears off. Yeah. good move, right? Think about yourself. When's the last time you had a gospel, a gospel uh, pedicure? Have your feet? Are your feet beautiful in this way? Think about your household. Like, is your household, your family, the place? that you make home together with other people. Is that place is that, is that, is that place a place of beautiful feet? See, this is the contention of Scripture. The contention of Scripture is that God has published salvation, and he has his church publishing the news of salvation. So we have this report going out, and it's about Jesus. And, and we're saying Jesus is absolutely great, and other people are looking at him going, I don't see it. That doesn't diminish our saying what we know, for eye to eye has seen that the Lord is in Zion. We see his beauty. Well, let's look at this little story here. Go to, if you have your Bibles, you might want to mark this if you've never seen it before. Go to Romans chapter 10. Hold your place there in, in um, um, Isaiah. If, you don't, if you're not sure where Romans is, it's the sixth book of the New Testament. Um, I'm beginning to believe I don't know where it is. Let's see. Here we go. Go all the way up, uh, down to verse 8. Verse 8. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Christians in Rome, picking it up in the middle of the passage, which isn't fair, but for the sake of time. Paul asks this question, what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, he's like, you know, say, what word is near me? And so he tells you, that is the word of faith that we proclaim to you. So we know it's in our mouth. How do you know it's in our mouth? We're proclaiming it. And that word is near you. How do we know? Because God's using us to put it there. We're publishing it. Verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what, someone asked. Hold on, Shannon. You're fa- you, Shannon tries to pick up my pace. of Like when the band plays slow and Andrew does this little stomp behind him or something. That's Shannon. He's trying to get our band. No, man. I'm just going to slow her down. I want you to think about something. What are you saved from? You need to be able to answer this question sometimes in your own heart, sometimes in your witness. All right, first and foremost, somebody's saved. They're saved from the just wrath of God. All the sin falls short of the glory of God. We're saved from the just wrath of God. We're also saved for the good heaven with God. For a walk with God on this earth and eternity with Him. We're saved from the snare of Satan. We're saved from the the grossness, the gross grip of sin. We're saved from death being the final story for us. Salvation's a lot of things. That's just a a big list. It's from and for, from and for, from and for. Saved from something, for something. So when you, when you believe in your heart, see, this, this is at the seat of your affections. It's at the core of who you are. And you really believe that and confess it with your mouth, the Bible says you'll be saved. What, what's saving you? This message. What message? Glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns, that Jesus is Lord. Go ahead. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified, or made right, we might say. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That's like a perfect loop. It's not two things, it's one thing. But it's perfected when what's inside naturally comes outside. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Hold on to that verse. You're going to need to remember it for later. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Now, everybody read verse 13 together. You ready? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hmm. Good question right here, verse 14. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's from Isaiah 52, that's right. Isn't that cool? See, Paul gets it. Why does he get it? Because the Holy Spirit's done got it to him. I love verse 16, which I don't. I did put it up there. I was, I was thinking I didn't. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. That's Isaiah 53, 1. See, the, the, the gospel connects these. It's one thing. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And he does go on. If you just look at it, verse 18, but I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For the voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the earth. They've heard. So he asked another question. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Melo- First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. This is really awesome stuff. Go back to Isaiah 53.1. Isaiah asked this question of the future future, the future beyond the future that he was in. This is after Christ has come, after Christ has published salvation. He says, who's believed our report? In those days, they were looking to the cross, you know, forward to the cross. We're looking back at the cross. And not only the cross, we're looking back at the empty tomb. And not only the empty tomb, we're looking back at an ascended Lord. It's gone full loop. Who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? The Bible answers it. Everywhere. Jesus came, God himself came, and how did, how did the Apostle John say people reacted? He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. I love the story in Luke 24 after Jesus had been crucified, buried, resurrected. There's these guys walking on the road, and, and, uh, and he joins them, and he goes, Hey, guys, why are you so glum? This is my paraphrase they go, man, what you talking about? Where you been? Don't you even know what's been happening? We thought Jesus was the one. And they crucified that dude and buried him. And now it's the third day, and and these ladies have told us that he's rose from the dead. Man, we don't know. And Jesus says, oh, man, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. They were so confused by the circumstances they thought it must something must be off and Jesus says, nah, this is exactly how it's supposed to go down. And I love verse 27 and beginning with Moses and what church? Moses and what? All the prophets. taught a lesson at the warehouse the other night. I'm going to give you all the much shorter version. You ready? Alright, if you got a Bible, and I'm sure you do somewhere or any kind of book, what do you call this thing right here? Cover, Casey. Your, boy, you're on a roll tonight. Let's see if you can get two for two. You know what you call that? It's just a cover as well. It's one, it's one cover case. Um, so sometimes I just do it because I know he loves me. He'll let me get away with it. So we can say if you read a whole book, you read it from. All right, so this is what I was telling the kids. From cover to cover, I often joke from cover to cover, from the table of contents to the maps. <laughs> cover to cover, this book is about Jesus. Y'all, y'all was, you were in there, Want not you, there? Yeah. So, so put that together. Say it with me. From cover to cover, this book is about. Jesus. What does it tell most about Jesus? I'm gonna tell you what it is. That he would pay for sins. From cover to cover, this book is about, and what it tells most about Jesus is what? I'll tell y'all just a little side fact. Did you guys know that 45% of the four gospel accounts? Or about the last week of his life. It's crazy. 45%. Now, why do I bring all this up? I'm going to tell you why I bring it up. Because Moses said he was coming. King David said he was coming. Isaiah said he was coming. Jeremiah said he was coming. Daniel said he was coming. Micah said he was coming. Zechariah said he was coming. Even the prophet Malachi said he was coming. All across this book, it tells of him, and it tells he's coming, and it tells he's going to die for sin. It's going to defeat our ultimate enemy. From cover to cover, this book is about Jesus. And when it tells about Jesus, it tells he's coming to pay for sin. What's my point tonight as time has just really went away? It's this. It's this. It's not that the report hasn't gone out. It's been going out for millennia. what's the problem? The problem is some people don't believe the report. Let's answer very quickly why. Let's answer very quickly. Well, I'm not going to say ex- uh, extensively why. I'm going to say some of why. The uh, first reason why is they determined that Jesus was less than what he, what he is. They determined that Jesus was less than what he is. If you go back and look at verse number two, it starts to say he grew up, he grew up before him like a young plant. Jesus, God the Son, the Messiah, come in the flesh, grew up before God and before the nation of Israel like a tender plant, a young plant. Now, what is this saying? He was, he was deemed to be a nobody person, born in a nobody place, living a nobody life. We might say it like this. They determined that Jesus' background was insignificant. I like what Matthew 13 says. Fifty-five and fifty-six tell us about him. At one point, there were some people who sort of disdained Jesus, and uh, this is how they respond: "says Ain't that just the carpenter's son? Ain't that Mary's boy? Y'all know his brothers and sisters." In other words, they say, "This uh, who is this guy? Like doing this Messiah stuff." Not only this that they determined his appearance was not noteworthy. Look look at the second part of verse 2. It says he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. They looked at him and they said, "Man, he he doesn't look like much." There's all kinds of Bible verses, but it was it was one really powerful song. I, you know, I love Christmas songs that are about Jesus. I know a lot of people love all kinds of Christmas music. I ain't gonna lie, I don't love it all. I don't care what Frosty was doing. If he won't frost in a cake, no, I don't like them fake ice cream, bro. <laughs> but one of the best quotes in a Christmas carol comes from a um, Charles Wesley hymn. Was it John? I suddenly I forget all of a sudden. Charles, heart your herald angels sing. It says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Veiled in flesh. They didn't esteem as a, as a Messiah because he came as just a man, and they says this can't be the one. He's not, he didn't come from much, and he don't look like much. And so they missed him. Third and lastly, they despised him for his suffering. They despised him for his suffering. Look at verse 3. It just says it. I mean, I didn't have to get really thoughtful about this point. He was despised and rejected by men. Then it sort of tells you why. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So I know it seems kind of corny, you know, but you could cue that theme song from Old Brother Where Art There. You know, you could. I am a man of constant sorrow. I've seen trouble all my days. Now, why is that a big deal? Haven't you ever known some people that had a hard life that were still good people? The thought of the day was that if you were walking with God, you would have a blessed life. And if you didn't have a blessed life, it must not mean you're from God. How can you be an unbroken thing? In a broken world, though. Hmm. the people had no use for him because they had decided that if, if he's been suffering, then he must not be from God. As a matter of fact, his whole entire life was marked by suffering. So much so that, that, that people turned their face from him. They didn't even want to look on him. Now you, you think about it, you think about it. I've told this story many times, it never stops being funny to me and it happened to me. I, um, I, was, I was in Korea and I decided to get on a tough man competition. This, I guess it's for the guests. And it was one of these ones where there was, pretty much anything goes, you could box or kick box, you could, you know, you could do takedowns, but if you were gonna kick somebody, you had to tell on itself, you had to tell I'm gonna kick and they would make you wear, like, these diapers on your feet. And so you could tell pretty quick if a guy was going to come out and do that, he's like, oh, he's planning on kicking me. And they would also make you put on these big pads around your waist. I, you know, it was terrible. And headgear, I hated all of it. Well, they called the first match. The guy got in the ring. At the time, I weighed about 212. And the guy that got in the ring might have weighed 104 pounds. And he had on-feet diapers, so I knew he was going to come out trying to kick me. And I said, I'm going to knock them feet divers off of this man. That dude hit me 419 times in the first 17 seconds. If he's 109 pounds, 100 pounds of it was greased lightning. Now, it felt like a woodpecker, you know, tapping on the Statue of Liberty, but still. You can't make this stuff up. My corner man was one of my buddies, and he was drunk as a fish in a barrel of whiskey. So they rung the bell, in the first round I went and sat down, and he says, you're losing on points. I'm <laughs> like, I said something really intelligent. like, shut up. He's like, what are you going to do? I said, something else. <laughs> He's like, he sure did hit you a lot. <laughs> I, I never touched him, not one time. Every time I punched about halfway to getting to the punch, he was gone from where it was going to land. So I reached back into my vast fighting repertoire, and I did this thing called cheat. And when they rung the bell, we clinched and I grapped him, G-R-A-P-P-E-T. I grapped him around his head, and I hit him in the middle of his face twice just as hard as I could. And when the little guy got over us, break, I'm like, oh, sorry about that, you know. <laughs> he was good and wobbled, and I knocked his hind parts out. I would have never been, I had totally underestimated this guy, and if he could have just stayed away from me, he would have won. How much do we underestimate things in our life? I mean, I fell to a pond one time. You know, I was checking, oh, it'll hold me, two steps, pfft, I thought my truck was in park Christmas week. It run over me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Andrew, we were in Colorado. I I was being nice. I was going to go get the car for all my friends. It was a ton of snow. So I'm going to hop on top of this pile of snow. It was a drift. I went down. I think I was wearing this suit. I really do think I was wearing this suit. And I just went down. And when I tried to get up, it was like being in a green bin. I was just like <laughs> I had to do the, you know, half roll out. All my friends were really encouraging. They were laughing like good cheerleaders. But the funny thing is, this isn't an appetizer menu. This is not a funny boxing story. It isn't an a, 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 a icy pond a few hundred yards from my home. It, it's, it's not falling through a snowbank in a parking lot. In, in Colorado this 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 is this is salvation this this is eternity and so the missed Christ because we don't identify him as the one that God sent their conclusion was he just wasn't the right sort of messiah he wasn't who they wanted he wasn't who they ex- expected the truth of the story is he's the one he's the one They despised him. They turned away from him. The scripture says they esteemed him not. In other words, they didn't count him as anything. And because they didn't count him as anything, what the prophet Isaiah is telling us is that in the future, in the future, people are going to look back. They're going to look back and they're going to say, we got that wrong. Now, wouldn't it be great to say I got that wrong today while you have time to get it right? Yeah, there's some more notes. I'm just going to stop them right there. I made up a word for today. They deemed him hateable and forgettable. <laughs> hateable is not a word, but I made it up. But I'll just stop with the notes because I see the time. I'll tell you, I've had those moments, brothers and sisters, where I've been, I've been utterly arrogant about lost people. Usually it's in a moment of pain or frustration or, or been tired, just tired of being I I feel like I'm being rejected. I'm not being rejected. They're rejecting him. And I'll say, okay, well, you deny him down. One day, one day you're going to confess that he's Lord, and you're going to get down on your knees when you do it. But as I looked at this passage, I clearly see the future that Isaiah is talking about. There's coming a day where people are going to look back and say, we didn't think it was him. I can't save anybody, but when it comes to Person County, North Carolina, I want people to trip over me on their way to hell. I want pretty feet. I want East Rock Community Church to be a a church of really pretty feet. Why, why would our feet be pretty? Because we publish the news that salvation is published. Jesus is the one, he's the one. He is the singular, feature, uh, singular uh, um, figure of history that could pay the sin of debt, the debt of sin, and he is the singular one who is willing. He is not only necessary, but he is sufficient. If you guys like science, I'm not, I don't really love a lot of science, to tell you the truth. Uh, it's, just, it's like thinking. But if you like science, if you were just to look at the... The major prophecies, the odds that one person would fulfill these are astronomically high. Yet, some, at some points during Holy Week, Jesus will do like 15 in one day. It's, it's actually astronomically insane that one person. So to me, when I was 15, I realized that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, But I didn't like it. I esteemed him stricken. I said, I don't want that life, and I don't want that life giver. What bothered me most is the evidence was in, and I couldn't deny it. Oh, oh, it hurt. And so for 10 years, man, he just hounded me, blessedly hounded me, what one writer called the hound of heaven. He just stayed on me. You know what I've come to learn? He's on some other people that you don't even know he's on. Anybody had known me in my early 20s, you would have never guessed it. Every day, all day long, I thought about God. Ask anybody who knew me then. But I did. You know why? Because he was pursuing me. He was making his report known to me. I was lost as a ball in high weeds, and before I went overseas, you know what I did? I recorded three uh, super long play cassette tapes of Brother Bob Barber off of 103.3, Tabernacle Time. And I would get along and play over and over again, little miniature sermons. What was going on? This report was being made to me. And yet I would go out and esteem him as not able, not willing, not worth being my savior. Pick the day, pick the emotion, pick the problem. So I got two big challenges tonight. One, with a crowd this size and not even knowing who's online with us. the the likelihood that somebody is hanging around the edge of religion without coming into the middle of a relationship is high. And, you know, God has orchestrated this moment for you to hear the gospel again. And so the news is going out to you that he was stricken to pay for sin. He wasn't notable because he came to be one of us so he could be a high priest to us. So he could be a sacrifice like those who had sinned. Though he knew no sin, he bore our sin. Just because he came as a man, don't miss that he still did what only God could do and would do. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that that Jesus was raised from the dead, that he is Lord, you will be saved. And then what do you do? You follow him into the grave. You get baptized. You go under that water, be buried with him. And you get raised up. You publish the news about your belief. Then you get to serving him. You publish that news to others. So, my twofold challenge is if you've never come to Jesus, maybe tonight's your night. If you have come to Jesus, how's your feet looking? Some of y'all might be like me, you know, your gospel feet. You 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 wouldn't even want to take your shoes off. Like, I don't even want to about seeing them things. Well, guess what? God'll fix your feet. And and you know, we're gonna have a feet washing Thursday night at Monday Thursday. So it'd be good if y'all fix y'all's feet for the end. Just, <laughs> I mean, you know, just <laughs> Some say. Somebody say, man. Casey and Brett, thank you. Don't you guys? <laughs> Praise God. But in all seriousness, do you, got, do you got beautiful gospel feet? Maybe God's dealing with you about that tonight. You, you just need to just, just be open with him. Say, yeah, I, I'm just sick of this conversation and this very broken culture. And what it says, I get it. What I want to do is make you happy about Jesus so the conversation just flows normally. We don't do a lot of altar calls, but then again we do because our altar stays open all during the service every week. God's dealing with you whether you need to sit in your seat, go to your car, or come to this altar. You bow a knee to him. If you would like to make your testimony of your salvation public, today is a good day to do it. We're going to sing a song, give some space for you to reflect and sing back to God and let God deal with you there in your spot. The altar is open. If you want to talk more about salvation, we don't have to be in a rush. You don't have to be an aisle way talk. We can go sit down in the back. There's, there's like 75% of people in this room can close the service. If you want to grab me and talk to me, let's go talk. Don't miss the report. Father, would you please, would you please, Father, take, take my life, And use it to publish the message that Jesus is Lord. That he reigns. That salvation is in this land because of Jesus. Would you use my family, my wife, and my daughters to make this news known? Father, would you use East Rock Community Church... Would you make us a gospel lighthouse and not just a Christian collection box? Give us a burden for this community, this town, this county, that out of great worship we go out and do great work for your glory. If there be any under the sound of this preaching, under the sound of these readings of the scriptures, under the sound of these good gospel songs, who you're calling into salvation, and Father, give them the faith. Put it in them to believe in their heart and to confess with their mouth, and then we stand on your word that they'll be saved. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they absolutely will be saved. Minister to us in this moment. In Jesus I pray, amen.